We're going to get Joe's thoughts on the signing of Mitch Garver to a two-year, $24 million deal. And then we're going to talk about what's next for the Seattle Mariners this offseason. Welcome to episode 47 of the Hit It Here podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm here with Joe. Joe, hello. Hello. I know we don't care about how I'm doing anymore, and that's okay. I think it's a necessary transition. Just like a necessary transition from the Mariners is they're no longer doing the rotating door DH, it seems, with this signing of Mitch Garver, which I think for me is a good thing. I will be happy to be able that Scott can just pencil in Garver DH 90% of the season should he stay healthy. And yes, last year, Mike Ford was that same thing because, well, we didn't really have any other better options. And going into the start of last year, there was a lot of talk of like, okay, who's going to be the DH? It was Tommy LaStella. It was Cooper Hummel. We saw some Sam Haggerty DH days. Those days are dead. And I am very excited about that fact because Garver, he is a surefire bat that you can lock in each day. And I'm willing to bet that he's going to be like, I think a top three Mariners offensive player in 2024. And I was going to place a bet on that. It's going to be on bet online. So here's a word from bet online really quick. The end of the year is near bars. And that means the college football playoffs are set to begin very, very soon. The teams have not taken any time off likely in preparation for these bowl games. Just like Bet Online hasn't taken time off during the holiday season. Bet Online has been delivering great holiday offerings throughout the month of December, and that will continue into the new year as well. As you all know, the University of Washington Huskies are playing in the Sugar Bowl against the Texas Longhorns. And if you wanted to place a bet on that game, the place to do it is Bet Online. Whether it's a straight bet or you're setting up some crazy parlay with a college football playoffs, make sure to do it with Bet Online. They've got you covered with all the up-to-date sports wagering info and news available on mobile and desktop. And BetOnline is super accessible. And when you head over there to get into the action, make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% match on your first deposit. Remember, BetOnline, it's where the game starts. And Garver's 134 OPS Plus last year across his 87 games, I think it would have been, what, second highest on the team last year? I think... I can't remember what the actual numbers are, but Garver, I really like the pickup. I like the acquisition. I think that it's going to be DH only. I was the guy that threw out the tweet about maybe first base idea and, you know, that received, not, I don't want to say pushback, but maybe some questions because the obvious answer is, okay, he's just our DH because you need to preserve his health and it's the easiest way to get him into the lineup. And if you need to have him catch, you can, but with Cal Raleigh being I'd say an all-star caliber catcher, permitting that he's healthy. And then Sebi Savala, if you're rostering all three of them, there's no reason that Garver will have to catch very often. And say like the one time that Savala and Garver are in the same lineup, it's going to be against a lefty because we know Cal's strong side is his left-handed swing. So you're not going to throw him out there against the right or lefty because his right-handed bat's not as good, but he's fine. It's just, if you're going to get Cal a day off, you could still have Garver DH. And so... Two years, 24 for a bat that is going to be good when healthy, I'm in. Yeah, you mentioned a little bit about the fact that the days of Sam Haggerty and whatnot DHing are gone. At least for hopefully 80 games they are, you know. The hope would be 120 games. I hope it's not, you know, 80 like you're saying with Haggerty or rotating DH days, whatever. Because you're going to allow him to just be the DH. He doesn't have to go out into the field and, you know, break his brittle bones or what have you. He's going to be able to stay as healthy as can be. And he's only played in 100 games once in a singular season. And counting the COVID year, shocking, I know. He didn't even, he played in only 23 games during the COVID year. So like, couldn't even make over half of those. 
So it's a, I think it's a shot in the dark, but given what the Mariners roster construction looks like right now, it's giving Garver the best shot at finally having a relatively sustainable season. Yeah. I mean, he only caught what, like, was it like 30 games in 2023 or something like that? So it's not like he was catching, you know, day in and day out for that Rangers team, the World Series champions. But he's, he did DH 50-some games or something mm-hmm. like that. And I think that, you know, the Mariners, we need to see like 80 to 90% DH days at this point. Because if we have any hope of getting that, because that bat, when it's he- when he's healthy, it is, I wouldn't say one of the best in the league, but it's good. The power is there for Mitch Garver. Yeah. And I we said this on, so Joe and I went on the You Love to See It podcast with Jake the other day. Make sure to check that out. We'll have the link in the description down below. Um. I said this the other day, if you get Mitch Garver for 120 to 130 games, if that was his like career norm, he would have been making $25 million plus this season alone. Do you, do you have his like 162 average up right now? I do. So 162 game average, he would be hitting 30 home runs, driving in 82 RBIs. His slash is 252, 342, 483 with an 825 OPS with a 123 OPS plus. And, you know, per 162, he's getting around 500 at bats. So that is pretty premium level production. You, you know, there's definitely guys that are going to be ahead of him. But in this free agent class specifically, it would have been a very, I think, heavy market for him. And I think maybe that's why the market felt a little dead for Garver and somehow the Mariners were able to swoop in somehow, some way. Because if they're looking at him as just the catcher, then yeah, doesn't really work out for a lot of teams because you you can't really trust that. But as a team that needed a DH and some other teams around the league don't really have the ability to field that position because like, say, like if the Astros were interested in him, they've got Jordan, you can't really figure him like Garver in as much as you'd like to. I don't have any other really, really like set in examples, but that was the first one that kind of popped into my head. But with the Mariners, like DH was as open as it could be pretty much. And I think Garver is a great fit for it. And you're saying like 162 average. That is like, I think 0.1% chance we see Garver more than 120 games. If we see him for 162, he pulls out a Gino. Lord have mercy on my soul. I will be very interested to see the end of the year stats on that. But I I gave you a little pushback on what his market could have been. Should he be a bit healthier as a track record? But I've kind of come around after like looking into stats a little bit more and like specifically with the market and like maybe Teo's market heating back up to like almost a four-year deals being rumored with the Red Sox and the Angel, whatever. That's not really the point. But with how weak the market was, I think I could see it better, but for 12 million and a guy that's going to be figuring into the middle of your lineup for hopefully 120 games. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm happy. Mitch Garver had a higher home run percentage in 2023 than guys like Ronald Acuna jr. So like he was hitting home runs in more often than guys like Acuna. Like that is incredibly impressive. And again, yes, he was in a hitter friendly park in Texas and he's now going to a, pitcher friendly park in seattle so is he gonna hit let's say he does end up playing like 130 140 games which would be a freaking miracle seeing as how he's played for seven years and never even sniffed that mark yeah but let's say he does would he hit 30 home runs i would say probably not but it'd be close i mean like he he, him julio cal i could all see like kind of pushing for that same mark of like guys that could touch 30 pretty soundly throughout a full season but I think I, I think that the numbers that we could see. So his 162 game average is more or less what I would have expected out of Teo in 2023. 
Yeah. Like, I feel like 30 home runs, 250 average, 120 something OPS plus. I feel like that's Teoscar Hernandez territory and kind of what we expected out of him. You're mm -hmm. able to get Mitch Garver for 12 million a year, a pretty, I mean, when it's all said and done, that's nothing compared to the deals that other guys are getting in this market. And if he performs at how he has throughout his career, just over a longer period, it's the greatest acquisition I think you could have made this offseason. Because if he is the guy that he has been, but he does it for 130, 140 games, he's an all-star. Yeah. And I think that that's something the Mariners needed. And the only difference that I see between his 162-game average and then what I expect that out of Teo in 2023 is, like, his chase rate and his whiff percentage. You're not going to see as many at-bats like he did with Teo where he's swinging at sliders in the other batter's box. It's not going to happen with Mitch Garver. It never has throughout his career. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It'll happen occasionally, but it's not going to be, like, a two, three times a game sort of thing like we saw with Teo. And that leads us to our next question, which is, what is the next move for the Seattle Mariners? We talked a lot about that, again, on the Love to See It podcast with Jake, and... We had a couple different ideas. Joe, what was yours? A platoon with Dom Canzone of either Tommy Pham or Robbie Grossman, which would be on the cheaper end. They're guys that mash left-handed pitching. And I could see it working out, but they're definitely the more budgetary picks. They're not going to be the ones that everyone's be like, yay, we, like, we got our guy. We're so happy. I think there's things to like about both players. And if you're looking for maybe a more everyday option on the other side of that, like not looking as the next move is your platoon guy with Canzone. I think it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we, I think both those guys give you a lot of veteran presence. Robbie Grossman, obviously playoff runs in general, like he was with the Braves in 2022. Was he, he was with Texas last year, wasn't he? He was with Texas. Yeah. So the Braves in 2022 and then the, He's a Ranger last year as well, so we're just going to poach all the, the Rangers, I want to say cheap free agents, but maybe the, the trimmings that they just had to get rid of because maybe they're, they're also going through some regional sports network issues. But I think Robbie Grossman, he, you don't have to pencil, in, pencil him in every day, and it could be a nice fit. Same thing, Tommy Pham was traded to the Diamondbacks at the deadline. Obviously, there's a veteran presence and postseason experience there as well. I don't think Tommy Pham is necessarily the best fit clubhouse-wise because he is a guy that has had some, I don't say baggage, but there have been some small things crop up throughout his career, but he is a guy that will go ahead and put his nose down and get the job done and give it his all. But those would be my two guys. You, however, brought up a third name to kind of throw into the ringer here. I think that might be on a little bit higher of an end of the spending spectrum to be out there with Dom Canzone and who is that guy. Yeah, I like Harrison Bader quite a bit. Um, obviously, like you look at his career, like OPS, WRC plus, he's not gonna be, he's not a, he's not a world beater, you know what I mean? But against left-handed pitching, and Joel will have those numbers for you in just a second. But against left-handed pitching, when you have Dom Canzone out there and left, you could put Bader in there as well. Very good defensively, and MLB Trade Rumors is projecting him to get about two years, twenty million dollars, so about ten million dollars a year AAV. And you, if you absolutely have to, you can put him over in right field against right-handed pitching, and he's not going to kill you. Like, it's not going to be the worst at-bats you've ever seen out of someone like Harrison Bader. I think he was running, like, a 17% strikeout rate last year, so obviously well below league average. I think for his career, he's at around 23%. But he was traded from the... Yankees to Car the Reds last year. It was, okay, yeah, yeah, Yankees to the Reds is what it was, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't great with the Reds and Yankees. He had some injury problems, but... Overall, I think that Bader is a guy who would make a lot of sense. He is a decent base runner, if I remember correctly. And again, really good defensively. $10 million a year. 
he he would be the half in the in the one and a half outfielders that Jerry Depoto allegedly wants to add. He would be the half. Of course, I think you still need to go out there and get a guy who can play every day out in right field in that scenario or have Ken Zone, whatever. You guys get the point. In one of the corners. Mm-hmm. I think that his splits versus left-handed pitching are good, Joe. Go ahead. Yeah, so his splits over his career. This is not just last year. This is over his entire career. We'll get to last year in just a second as well. But a 262 average, a 331 on base percentage, a 494 slugging with an 824 OPS. So I think any OPS north of like 770 for a platoon guy, you're looking pretty good. And especially when it's over 800, that is a good sign that this is a person that can fit into into a platoon very well for you. Last year, it was a down year. I mean, he only had, had like a 69, nice, OPS plus last year across the board. And like you mentioned, he struggled with the Reds. So maybe he kind of just fell out of sorts. Maybe he was changing scenery too much because he's still kind of young. He's not like past 30 yet unlike the other guys that I was mentioning that are on the bit of the older side. But last year splits against lefties, he did hit 299, 361, 575 with a 936 OPS. That was only an 87 at-bats. But in that same way, like if you're able to feel comfortable with whoever else you get for the outfield, like you're saying he's the other half to this equation, I think it makes a good amount of sense. My issue or concern would just be if it is two years te- or two years, 20 million. So 10 million average, or maybe you split it up differently that it would cut into the amount of payroll that we have for the rest of the off season. And I think there might be better fits for guys that you can go find that could be the everyday outfielder, as opposed to this platoon partner with Canzone or Marlowe, Deloach, what have you for that similar price range. But it's an interesting market right now for outfielders because like Kevin Kiermeyer got 10 million and like Max Kepler is a guy that we've talked about a decent amount or has just been circulating as part of a trade with the twins. And he's set to make 10 million because they exercised the club option there. But I I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer. Uh, there's probably a couple wrong answers out there. Like <laughs> I don't want to name names of yeah. guys that I think wouldn't fit, but like Harrison I Bader. Okay. Aid Marlowe. <laughs> okay. Yes. But that's a person that's already in house. I, I think Bader would be a decent fit. I would just be worried that the offensive production that we might need him to bring might not be as valuable like for the money that we're giving him. Sure, the defense, unquestionable. Like we, He's going to go out there and lock down a position, whereas other guys that we could bring in, like, say, Tommy Pham's not the greatest defender. Robbie Grossman's not necessarily the greatest defender, whereas Bader the majority of that money you're spending on him is because, oh, you know he's a surefire defender. And like you're saying, he could also probably just go be an everyday outfielder for you if you needed him to. If, say, Deloach is struggling, Marlowe's struggling, if Trammell is even on the team. Like, there's guys that, if they're going through a rough time, they might not even see a start against a righty if Bader's playing well enough. And he's not going to kill you against a righty. Like, he's not the best in the world, like I said, but... Again, you mentioned Max Kepler. You mentioned Max Kepler. Say that five times fast. (laughs) I think that he makes a lot of sense. And for the same price range, $10 million a year, I think that what it would take to get Max Kepler isn't as much as as everyone is putting out there. Like, I don't don't even personally think that you need to give up Emerson Hancock for Max Kepler. Because if... If the twins want to, if the twins want to lower their payroll, getting young guys like maybe even minor league guys makes a lot of sense. And maybe you trade them a Zach Deloach or something, someone who could be the next Max Kepler, 
but you know doesn't isn't proven and Kepler's only on a one-year deal yeah. 10 million dollars but again pretty dang good defensively left-handed bat he could be your everyday guy out in right field instead of Bader I would rather honestly have Kepler than Bader yeah I just think that you know throwing out names with Canzone makes sense because mm-hmm. that is kind of the rumor that it's going to be it's going to be somebody and Canzone in one spot yeah and then one outfielder in another spot that's and an everyday guy Trying to fill all those holes while also hopefully not having Josh Rojas and Luis Arias both be a starter every single day is tough. Yeah, I see a lot of discourse around the fact that, oh, we need one outfielder, one infielder, or, you know, we need two outfielders, one in. Like, I don't want to be a pessimist, but I think we're looking at two outfielders and we're just going to run it with the infield. And I, I would probably prefer that. As far as what our roster's looking like, I have more confidence in Rojas and Urias being everyday guys than Deloach, the the flurry of left-handed hitting outfielders that we've mentioned. And I've said that before, and I don't think I've really budged on that idea yet, but Max Kepler, I agree with you, would be an everyday guy. And if it's only one year, you don't have to give up Emerson Hancock. I don't really know what a prospect package would look like because it would take, I think, something, obviously. Like maybe a, <laughs> a guy that might not have to be on the 40 man like Deloach, or maybe he is like very cheap for being a new outfielder for the twins. And if you give them young pitching, I just don't know if where the Mares have young pitching makes sense for what the twins would want because they're gonna need guys pretty close. And after Emerson Hancock, it's a very I think a long way to the MLB for guys like Teddy McGraw and Walter Ford and new guy that we acquired Cole Phillips like it's not I don't don't know if I necessarily see the fit there so I think Emerson Hancock might just be a necessary evil that has to go and if it makes a trade go quicker and you don't have to give up as much I'm probably okay with it because you could just run Jackson Kowar as your long man out of the pen and or maybe some you you sign a guy for like three four million in free agency and you go from there but Kepler, a 121 OPS plus last year, 260 average with a 332 OBP, 484 slugging, and then that 816 OPS. And his splits aren't terrible against lefties versus righties. A 751 OPS against left-handed pitching and 88 at-bats versus obviously his stronger side against righties and 832 OPS. So he still is capable at the plate. It's not going to be a black hole if you start him every day. And I think that's definitely something the Mariners should be interested in. And... I think I I agree with you in the fact that Emerson Hancock or like the trade for Kepler might not be as expensive as everyone or it feels like it has to be. It's just to get the deal done and what makes sense for both teams. Like, I don't know where the twins go if we don't give them some sort of major league pitching that's like ready. Or maybe we just send them Jackson Coar. Maybe maybe that's part of the package instead. And we retain all of Miller Wu Hancock throughout the offseason, which felt like something that never would have happened in a million years with how the offseason kind of was seemingly set up. My biggest worry with giving up Emerson Hancock is that I don't want to say it stops you from trading Miller or Wu for, you know, a big upgrade that you need, but it greatly handcuffs you for a team that already is allegedly not wanting to trade from their young starting pitching, which, Mm -hmm. again, I get, but it seems like it has to happen. It's the only thing that makes sense unless you're trading away some of your top prospects. And then... It, it, it that turns into okay well what teams right now feel like they're not going to be in it next year that are willing to take guys who are a few years away for a player that's worth it like that basically in my opinion takes the reds completely out of the equation because mm-hmm. like why would they want you know why would they want guys that are years and years away they're this is a team that's a team that can compete right now yeah i think that the twi- anybody in the al central feels the same way because that that i mean the royals are obviously winning it duh. <laughs> duh. but 
I think that 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 whole division's up for grabs. So I it it, it basically comes down to teams like I don't know the Athletics. Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Just the bad baseball teams, really. And the Athletics, maybe the Rockies, because the Rockies. I don't know what the heck they're doing. They just need to tear it all down right now and just go out there and do a full rebuild. Because, my God, they're never going to be able to ever touch that division. I mean, it doesn't help that the Dodgers have spent a billion this offseason, but I I get your point. And the Diamondbacks just went to the World Series. Yeah. Yeah. The Giants just signed signed Jungle Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like, you know. But nonetheless, the Mariners, it's just going to be, again, like you said, so much easier to trade one of Miller or Wu for a big upgrade than it is going to be to trade a prospect-laden package if you were to have gotten rid of Emerson Hancock. Because if we're talking about budgetary constraints, Mariners might not have the money to go out there and sign a number five starter to be worth anything. Yeah. Like, and if you're going to run Jackson Coar out there, I don't... I, if, if anybody can fix Jackson Coar, it's the Mariners. <laughs> like, that's just the way it is. Yeah. But Jackson Coar has no value right now. And maybe if the Twins think that he does, cool. But until the Mariners pitching lab goes in there and plays around with them, I don't think he has any value to even the Mariners. Yeah. And so I just, that is my one worry about trading Emerson Hancock is that he would theoretically be the fill-in right now if you were to trade Miller or Wu. Unless, of course, you get something back in one of those deals and who knows. But I love to see that Mitch Garver is a member of the Seattle Mariners. And you know what you would love to see? That you love to see a podcast featuring Joe and I. Go give it a listen. And make sure to subscribe to Jake while you're there. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode 47 of the Hit It Here podcast presented by Bet Online. Once the game starts, and go Mariners.